everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tech While You Trek. I am your host, Adam, and today we're here to talk about artificial intelligence. In the studio, I have with me James Larmer and Judy Ju. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks. Hey. So, James, we'll get started. Tell us what you do for PwC. I lead the AI lab for PwC, and AI lab is part of a cross-line-of-service group called PwC Labs. Judy, how about you? I'm one of the data scientists with AI Labs. So I work on using machine learning to solve all sorts of problems at PwC. So that we can move forward using these acronyms, please, if you don't mind, get us a a definition of artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, and natural language processing. I think the way we define it at PwC is we say artificial intelligence is the ability of a machine to perceive its environment and then perform some sort of action you would associate with a human. We categorize that into sensing, thinking, and acting. The workhorse of AI, if you like, is all the machine learning that powers a lot of artificial intelligence, the ability to perform the next best action, the ability to make decisions on the fly to adapt to surroundings is sort of the heart of machine learning. The one term that I'm not familiar with is the natural language processing. Could you guys talk about that a little bit? Natural language refers to any language generated by human beings. So natural language processing is just to use machine learning techniques to process that language, transform it into a format that can be programmed by computer. It's the process of a machine understanding the spoken word. Mm -hmm. Or the written word. There are various examples of people using natural language processing in their daily life, from your email, just to detect scam and non-scam, and then also when you are interacting on your phone. So what are some ways that you can set yourself up for success by using AI-driven solutions, and how do you structure a data science team to be successful? There's a centralized, decentralized debate in terms of how you structure data science teams. The centralized model, of course, is let's get all of the best data scientists in the company in one location and use that as a place where any data science work kind of resides. That's great because you build up a culture of data science. They have colleagues that they can interact with. That team can sometimes find itself sort of disconnected from the business problem, so that's something that has to be solved. The decentralized model is let's take our best data scientists and push them right to the front lines working hand-in-hand with the product teams, for example, or with the marketing teams or with the engineering teams. That's also good because obviously you're having data scientists side-by-side with others sort of solving difficult problems. But you need to balance that with creating a culture of how does that team solve problems together? Can they be too isolated? So often there's some sort of hybrid model. I think folks are working through that. The mistake that has often happened is this sort of big bet, big bang AI-driven initiatives that often are not as successful as just picking off very discrete individual activities. Data scientists also, they're motivated typically differently than other folks in organizations, right? It's a different HR model, I think. I think that's true because data scientists will more thinking about what kind of product you want to deliver to solve clients' problem. But then we also need to bring in business experts to handle the communication side and to gather feedbacks and then also just to make sure we are meeting our goals to solve the problem instead of just building some product but disconnected from the client's needs. What are some ways that other companies have used AI, ML, or NLP? 
retail banking, for example, and the ability to understand your customers using machine learning models to segment and cluster customers without supervision. All of that's driven by not only advanced analytics, but starting to use machine learning models to do that. In the medical field, there's a huge amount of innovation using AI. The ability of AI, for example, to look at a CAT scan and identify anomalies within that CAT scan is getting near human levels of accuracy and precision, if not surpassing them. But it's also doing it much more quickly. I have worked with a medical research company before. The way they use machine learning is that they are now able to process large amounts of textual data and extract features from those data and then build predictive models to help determine the diagnosis of some disease. Well, and so that also involves NLP, which you've been leading a lot of work in. Can you describe something maybe about the techniques that you're using now and how that's different from months ago, years ago? We went from just counting the frequency of words in the document to today we're able to generate forward, we're able to generate a numeric vector. So the contextual data that the word appears in. I think the other thing is transfer learning, meaning that we are not reinventing well every day. We're not building something from scratch for different projects. So we can just build downstream applications, use cases based on those language models. This has been a success for us actually the last, certainly in the last six months, is the ability to extract information from documents. So if you think about kind of what we do day in and day out, say on the tax side, And what our clients are doing is we're receiving hundreds of thousands of tax notices, for example, that need to be processed. The old way of doing it is you get a human in the loop. You read that document, you pull off the relevant information. Not every word on that document is relevant. And you put it into a spreadsheet, for example, and you do something with it. With more advanced NLP techniques and with sort of a data annotation platform, we're now able to train models that essentially see a document, understand what kind of document that is. So what other success stories can you share with us from using these technologies, and what are some ways in which you've seen these technologies fail? On the client side, we've had a lot of success in the pharmaceutical space. We've been very successful at helping drug companies, for example, monitor adverse reactions by combining lots of different data sets into a workflow and creating meaning out of that in a way that sort of enables them to take proactive action. So we've had a lot of success in the automotive space in helping traditional car companies navigate the ride-sharing world to navigate the driverless experience world using something called simulation modeling, agent-based modeling. Failures, we have had no failures, <laughs> to my we have knowledge. never failed. So I think the technology fails when, for example, a model inherited the biases from the data uh. it's learning from. It's not exactly the technology's failure, but then we can definitely include some controls to help the model to be more unbiased. So where do you guys see the field heading? We see AI just being much more accessible from a user standpoint. Those technologies are increasingly converging in a way that's just making it much easier, I would say, to train a model, to set up an environment quickly. So I think where we're seeing it's heading, certainly in the next couple of years, is this sort of jumpstart environments that enable less experienced, if not non-trained data scientists, to get access to some of this technology.
All right, so are you ready for the final group of questions that I ask all of our guests? Of course. First question, what is your one bold prediction for technology in 2040? I think we will have artificial intelligence indistinguishable from human beings. That's a bold prediction. I like that one. I would say it has to be quantum computing. It's incredibly revolutionary compute power that enables you to think of almost every state simultaneously. So it just changes the way we're able to process information and the speed it requires. So what is your favorite source for new technology information? I like to use O'Reilly's artificial intelligence newsletter and also medium artificial intelligence. The one I've enjoyed is Lex Friedman has a podcast called Artificial Intelligence, and he has really interesting conversations on the space, on technologists within the space, on thought leaders around the space. So what makes someone a leader in the digital age? It's the willingness to change, but it's also the willingness to try this stuff at home, right? to set up your home digitally. How am I going to use AI for my family? You know, that's a question most people haven't thought about, right? A successful leader would encourage or even demand rapid innovation and experiments. So do either of you have any last words for our listeners before we get you out of here today? Embrace the truly digital world and just run towards unknown, not run away from it. I think the AI space, it can be intimidating be willing to try some stuff and to stick at it for a bit. James Armour, Judy Ju, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. This has been another episode of Tech While You Trek. I have been your host, Adam, and we will talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.